Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. I'm Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. A new report sheds light on private equity's increasing presence in home health. Authors Diana L. Moss, president of the American Antitrust Institute, and Oscar Valdez Vieira, research manager for Americans for Financial Reform, want regulators to take notice. Thank you so much for joining me today, Diana and Oscar. Good to be here. Pleasure to be here. Your report was quite interesting. What in your minds was most eye-opening about the findings? Diana, why don't we start with you? Sure. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having us on. We really do view this report as uh, basic greenfield research. We're calling it sort of a red flag for what we think is aggressive, rapid, early intervention by private equity in the home healthcare sector. And given that private equity tends to fly under the antitrust radar screen and often goes undetected, this uh, the findings in the report really are an indicator to antitrust enforcers and regulators that they need to keep an eye on consolidation in these markets and the role of private equity. Oscar, you found that the private equity was behind it just a small fraction of home health providers in early 2023, 5.7%, 492. Why should we be alarmed? Thank you. So um, if I may start by putting that number in a little bit of context, because just to make sure that listeners understand that a couple of things. One, uh, this is likely or without a doubt, just a tip of the iceberg type of finding, because there is a well-known transparency problem in the private equity industry. And in fact, there were several private equity-owned agencies that we found for which we couldn't find uh, publicly available information about their locations, and we couldn't match them to the right CMS location. And this 5.7% number is a snapshot, right, of a moment in time. So as you know, private equity is a very dynamic industry where firms are constantly buying and selling other companies. So many more agencies have been in and out of private equity ownership over the last few years, and we are only counting the current ownership uh, at this point in time. And to add a couple more things, these are agencies that uh, receive a lot of public money uh, from Medicare payments, and they offer care to over a quarter million people a year. So these are other reasons why it's so important, even though it seems like a smaller uh, number. And like Diana said, uh, there is a this rapid pace which the incursion has happened in the last or the last ten years mainly. So even though it seems like a, you know, five point seven percent might not be a lot, but it's a it's a troublesome number. Where does home health compare to other healthcare in terms of private equities? encroachment, to use your term. Diana, how evolved is this industry in, in vis-a-vis private equity? Sure. So we have seen, like I said earlier, a rapid incursion of private equity into the healthcare sector more generally. If you look at figure two in our report, which is available on both AAI and AFFR's websites, you'll see a word cloud that shows where a lot of the acquisitions by private equity firms have been. And that includes things like pharmaceuticals, medical devices, home health care, nursing and residential care, hospitals. So we do see markets within the healthcare sector more, more attractive to private equity. But the incursion, as I said earlier, has been really pretty rapid. And 
even though, as Oscar said, we see the percentage of ownership at a pretty small level right now, one of our major concerns is we're looking at markets that are on the whole pretty concentrated, which means they don't have many competitors operating in those markets. And so whenever you see a concentrated market and you see the emergence of some bigger firms, we start worrying about concerns over higher prices and lower quality and less innovation. And if you layer that on top of the incompatibility of the private equity investment model with maintaining high quality care, a focus on patient welfare, then we're really beginning to be concerned about adverse effects in these healthcare sectors. Let's talk a little bit about that issue of concentration of home health agencies. You spend some time on that in your report, and I was wondering if you could explain that a little to our audience. You said that private equity really is more heavily active in areas of high concentration of home health. Talk a little bit more about why that is a red flag to you. Diana, why don't you continue with that? So we, we broke our study apart uh, into two pieces, right? We had this really unique data set of home health providers that we drew from the CMS databases. A lot of elbow grease went into the construction of that data set. But we looked at markets, local level markets, metropolitan statistical areas um, that contain private equity ownership and participation and those that don't. And what we see are, in general, higher levels of concentration in both types of those local MSA level markets. What we see, however, is even higher levels of concentration in markets where there isn't private equity at this point, which to us signals presence of some very large non-private equity players, which for antitrust reasons is also important to track, right? If you're concerned about concentration and, and consolidation and the effects on competition, you want to track all types of players in these markets. But in the markets where we just see, where we see private equity presence, along with non-private equity, we see lower levels of concentration, but they're still on the higher side. And given that there are some very large private equity players, Again, that raises concerns about those firms becoming dominant by engaging in more roll-up strategies and acquisitions of other uh, home health care brands. And again, a lot of these transactions are very small and they fly under the reporting requirements radar and go undetected by antitrust enforcers. Mm -hmm. There were several areas of concern that you raise in this study, areas of concentration with lack of competition being one of them. Another, it seemed to me, probably the major finding of your study was the kind of the concentration of Medicare revenue among just a few of these private equity companies, and you cited five, that collected together over $850 million in Medicare revenues in 2020. Was this surprising to you? Oscar? I think it was not really, if I may speak for both of us, maybe not that surprising. And knowing what we know about the private equity industry and in the context of the wave of consolidation that we have seen over the last decade, so we kind of expected that small number of firms, namely those that have been more actively growing through mergers and acquisitions, that those would collect more of the revenue just out of sheer size. And I think that speaks to the merger mania that we have seen over the last few years. But wondering, Diana, if that was surprising to you. 
I actually did not find it surprising given what we know about how the private equity model, how it operates, and its rapid incursion into healthcare and into home healthcare in particular. So to some extent, this finding that we have a very small number of firms accounting for the bulk of Medicare revenue was just a validation of how far the encroachment of private equity has gotten without really much significant response from antitrust enforcers. We monitor these deals very closely in terms of second requests that the agencies put out uh, for more information. Obviously, we monitor for merger challenges. And we can say that private equity in general and in healthcare is really flying very, very far below the radar screen. And the early reporting and flagging that you see in this report and other reports that our organizations have put out is really one of the only ways to alert the public, the media, or the healthcare community, state level enforcers about how more scrutiny and more focus is needed in this area. Why does private equity fly under the radar? Oscar, help me out with this one. That is a good question, but it goes back to that roll up strategy, a buy to grow kind of strategy that these companies use. And a lot of these roll-ups are smaller firms that go under the antitrust threshold that would trigger some enhanced regulation or would trigger some uh, reviews of those mergers. So, and this finding was very actually interesting to me. It seems like almost tailored to fly below those thresholds. So, Diana, please help me out with the specific number, if you remember um, the top of your head. But it's something like... um, you know, it's just a few millions under the, under the, you know, under the threshold. Yeah, no, Oscar's right. Right now, the reporting threshold is about $100 million, just over $100 million under the Hart Scott Rubino filing requirements. And what we're seeing for private equity more generally are the bulk of deals that come in under that threshold. So that means they're not reportable. And that is a problem. And it has some fundamental policy implications, which include changing or lowering the threshold so that more of these types of deals are reportable and scrutinized by enforcers. And, you know, I think as Oscar is the expert here, you know, the whole reporting system for private equity is just riddled with loopholes and exemptions and opacity. The way private equity structures transactions makes it very difficult to unpack who is purchasing who. And so as a result, we have just a tremendous lack of transparency around private equity investments, not only in healthcare, but other important sectors. It seems like we've been talking about this for a long time. We know private equity does not have a good reputation and people who are in private equities, uh, I believe take offense at this because the reputation is they cut costs at the expense of qualities, they, they fly under the radar. Why does it seem that we can't kind of move the needle in terms of regulating these companies. Oscar. Sure. So I usually don't like to put it on personal terms about these being bad people, that there are definitely people there that are able to get a good night's sleep even after they cut the food budget for, you know, grandma and grandpa at the nursing home. But this is something that is, the problems with private equity are systemic, right? Are intrinsic to the business model are related to the way they use debt to fund acquisition, to fund dividends. It's related to the cost-cutting strategies that are necessary then to repay that debt. Uh, It's related to a buy-and-build strategy of growing inorganically. 
in a you know monopolistic kind of way like we have been talking about and it relates to the ways in which these companies can legally adopt complex structures that largely eliminates the the private equity firm's liability for any negligence malpractice or or even when the companies go bankrupt and it's hard to move the needle because these companies are very powerful there is a lot of people in dc trying to pass legislation about it there's legislation that have been put forward like the wall street stop wall street looting act that would realign some of the incentives that private equity has to better align them with the, the public interest and to promote more accountability and protect workers and communities but there is still you know a gap between what the public knows and what how these companies operate so you know a lot of our research aims to fill that gap and try to bring more visibility to the disturbing impacts of private equity ownership and yeah other things that that are obstacles in the way of moving the needle some money in politics they obviously have really strong business lowing activities in dc and yeah i'll stop there you know there are some good news like a, these new legislations that are being introduced and we also have antitrust regulators that can enforce those rules and i'll let diana talk about that aspect sure so i want to dovetail with what oscar has said is is that this study and other studies that look empirically at the role of private equity ownership and competition are they're really agnostic going in as they should be right there are no priors about whether private equity as an investment model is good or bad and so the studies are structured in a way as to identify key issues identify certain metrics and effects on critical variables like prices that patients pay for medical services quality of care the stability of the markets we see a lot of rapid entry and exit uh, by private equity in these markets that is not conducive to creating a stable market and choices especially at local community levels so what we're seeing is a whole rash of studies which this study adds to which is really indicating that their the private equity investment model is pretty incompatible in some areas of healthcare with delivering high quality services and stability of healthcare markets and that is absolutely something that antitrust enforcers should think about. So as far as antitrust scrutiny goes, if a merger comes along or an acquisition, or if there is conduct in markets that is potentially in violation of antitrust laws because it's exclusionary or because it's part of a, a conspiracy to fix prices or divide up markets, enforcers are gonna look at price effects and they're gonna look at non-price effects like quality. And part of what this report does is really emphasize the importance of looking at both of those types of effects in these healthcare markets, which are coming, in which we see private equity playing an increasingly large role. What should home health providers be doing right now in terms of possibly staving off this encroachment? Obviously, there, we're in a period of consolidation in this industry. And given the drastic Medicare cuts and the labor situation, as you mentioned in the report, these companies are kind of ripe for, for takeover. I'll let Oscar chime in on this as well. But, you know, generally what we're seeing are very few options for healthcare companies in terms of selling themselves or collaborating with other types of companies to continue to participate in markets. So there's another study ongoing in looking at the role of private equity in buying out physician practices. And what we see in physician practices is, 
you know, a lot of physicians are very overburdened right now with doing all the back office stuff, all the administrative tasks and duties, dealing with third-party payers. And so, but they want to continue to practice medicine. And so they sell to private equity firms without full information about what that private equity model is going to do and to their practice, many of which have spent 30, 40 years building practices. Same goes for home health care brands that are noted for high quality home health care. So I think we have two problems. One is education and information for healthcare market participants to fully understand the private equity model and what will likely happen if they sell to private equity. A second problem is there are no good options. So, you know, the alternative to private equity is often to sell out to a very large healthcare company that is often integrated with a commercial insurer or a hospital system or something like that. So that's why we work so hard to promote competition in healthcare so that smaller players have options and choices about who they want to sell to, who they should sell to, if they want to remain in the market and continue to practice some form of medicine. Oscar, I'm going to give you the last word. Where do you think home health care should be looking at this point and to help improve the situation with the quote-unquote incursion? Yeah, so I totally agree with Diana, and I, I think it's very hard to leave these to the benevolence of the free market. So I think this is an area where regulators and policymakers should definitely take the reins on, right? This is a private equity is a model business model that is built on taking advantage of tax loopholes and other incentives that reward high levels of leverage and of risk taking and you know basically reward short-term greed and that is something that it should be reigning by forces beyond the free market and you know providers can definitely organize can definitely demand some of those fixes but i agree with diana there is not a clear solution here Okay, well, we will leave it at that. I hope to talk with you again. Thank you so much for joining me today, Diana Moss and Oscar Valdez-Viera. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit mcknightshomecare.com.